I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Running a successful restaurant in New York City is a massive undertaking, but starting and running 15 is something that most people could never dream of achieving. This is something Ravi DeRossi has done, and while he certainly made a name for himself by achieving this feat, he now has a bigger mission. He wants to change all his menus at his highly successful restaurants and cocktail bars to be all plant-based. Ravi decided to take this bold step after he lost his beloved pet cat and went vegan himself. He might still receive angry or disgruntled emails from some of his former customers, but by and large, Ravi has only seen more success after making the switch to plant-based. I caught up with Ravi in his newly opened cocktail bar, Ladybird, in New York City. With his rescued dog, Honeybee, sitting next to us patiently throughout the conversation, Ravi shared his unique insights on plant-based food. Ravi started his career as a painter, and you will learn that he approaches the restaurant business with all the flair and creativity of an artist. In this engaging and unique conversation, he also shares his bold vision and gives exclusive details about four new concepts he has for future restaurants. To hear more about how Ravi plans to remake the canvas of the food world, keep listening. Ravi DeRossi, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. So Ravi, I want to pick up from the point where you had this epiphany. Um, early 2016 or maybe at the end of 2015? I think it was the end of 2015, yeah. We met, I remember, early 2016 after the news had broke that uh, Ravi De Rossi, the famed uh, cocktail bar owner and restaurant owner, was doing something that was, uh, it seemed sort of crazy, that you were looking at your 15 restaurants and bars in New York City and considering turning them into vegan restaurants and bars. And um, I want to know why, why such a drastic decision and, and what prompted that um, um, from a business standpoint and from your, your own personal standpoint? Well, from a, there was no business decision <laughs> thinking going on in my head at the time. It was more of an ethical, moral decision. Um, you know, just realizing that one restaurant does about a thousand times more damage to the environment, to the animal race, to the health of a human being that serves me than the average person individual person does and having 15 restaurants and bars open at that time um realizing that i personally was doing about fifteen thousand times more damage than the average person it really started to weigh on me and also you know i've got two dogs and four cats and they're such a huge part of my life and sort of the best part of my life and and not putting them in the same category as pigs or cows or you know any other animal just seemed totally ridiculous to me. So, um, you know, I was ready to get out of the business, to be honest. I was, I just was, I was miserable. I hated doing what I was doing. Uh, but I had, I was in it now and I had done very well and I was sort of just stuck and it wasn't just easy to just get out. I couldn't just get out, but I was considering selling everything and getting out of it. I I was going to do it. And then, you know, then again, I had, like you said, I had this epiphany to, to sort of reinvent my company as a totally plant-based company. And I just, I literally decided on a Christmas 2015 Christmas morning. Um, when my cat died, I decided that I'm no longer can be part of this. So I'm either getting out or I'm going to change. And mm-hmm. I decided on to change. And on January 1st, I called a few chefs that I knew and, um, we just started turning all of our places totally plant-based. So once you kind of took that bold step and you began the process, uh, you had Avant Garden first, and then you started to um, change some of your other restaurants, the ones that you could make different make uh, changes to without um, having your partners in, in your business mm-hmm. completely go crazy. Um, I'm sure you then started to look at what you had and were starting to think of how you could design menus and run a restaurant that would make a positive impact, uh, obviously by serving vegan food, but making sure that it was done in a way that would also be a successful business. So 
I guess my question from that is, what kind of imp- what kind of impact were you thinking of making in the New York City food scene, whether vegan or otherwise, or plant based or otherwise, with the kind of restaurants you were going to open? Because starting with Avant Garden, the menu was very different from anything else I'd ever seen before in a in a restaurant in New York City. Period. What was what was your thinking from a food standpoint? What your vision was? Um. Well, I, I first of all, I didn't set off to be impactful. It was just. Every time I've opened a place, um, it's usually I'm just opening the place that I want to be at. So being vegan or transitioning to a totally vegan diet, I was never really into eating the fake meat stuff. Although mm-hmm. I totally support it because anything that supports be- better environmental practice and more humane practices, I'm, I'm all about. But, but eating fake meats was never my thing. I just wanted to eat really good vegetable dishes. Um, you know, and all the vegan restaurants at the time, except for a few, um, were really serving all those fake meat stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought I had this chef that I was working with at the time, Andrew. Um, and we just, we just started working on just trying to make vegetables like taste better. And, you know, I guess the, the, the analogy I always make when people ask me this question is like, I was, I was an artist most of my life and that's pretty much all I did. I was a painter and, and a writer and, and, and I was to say if, if I was to just discover canvas and oil paint today, hmm. it would be like the greatest invention in, in the art world. People would go crazy over it. And I think that's kind of what vegetables have become. And that's sort of what we were trying to do is take a vegetable and just make it something great, which, you know, and not make it the secondary thought like it has been for so long. So, you know, so sort of the idea, I guess, with changing places like Mother of Pearl and Cienfuegos and, bourgeois pig and making them vegan or making them all vegetable based we we already had this huge built-in clientele mm-hmm. of people who weren't vegan everybody in this day and age is become more conscious of what they're doing how they're eating how they're living like it's conscious consumerism is a, is a huge trend right now and and it's not going anywhere because global warming is not stopping mm-hmm. we're still headed in the wrong direction um, but people want to be more involved in this so Knowing I've got these built-in clientele of people that aren't vegan but are conscious, we had to cater. We had our food had to be just as good, mm-hmm. if not better, than when we were serving right. meat. It had to be just as flavorful. So, you know, so finding the right chefs um, is a big thing. Is it you know, find, and making sure the menus are are really just as good and just have just as much salt and you know because. Meat is salty, cheese is salty, and mm-hmm. people, when you eat vegan food, it's never salty enough. And, you know, that's the problem, and especially if you're drinking, because a lot of my places are cocktail bars. So people yeah. come there to drink, and eating has become secondary. Um, but we needed to make sure that they were spiced well enough. So those are all things we took into consideration. That's interesting. So you weren't really thinking about, you know, from a strategic standpoint, looking at the a food scene in New York City and thinking, wait, here's the missing element or here's where the trend is going. You were just sort of doing what you thought was going to be good food. <laughs> yeah, no, is I'm that safe I, to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not much of a businessman uh in term in those terms. Like I don't I I, I do now, like in hindsight I go, mm-hmm. um oh that was a good decision, Robbie. You know, <laughs> but but at the time I'm literally just thinking, I what do I what do if I'm going to go here, what am I going to eat? Right. You know, and is it going to be good enough that's going to make me want to come back? And interesting yeah. enough, like places like Mother and Pearl, like when we went totally vegan, our food sales actually doubled. You know, we used to get a, a we were busy every day, but it was more yeah. it was people just coming to drink, um, and they would eat something because they were there. Uh-huh. Since we've turned totally vegan, now we get a huge dinner rush every <laughs> night of the week, and the food sales have doubled, and right. it's been really amazing. Because you're probably getting a little bit more attention for your food beyond just the, the cocktails are always great. So yes. now you have good food too. You know, I'm I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you kind of you're a design. You're kind of is you, you alluded to the fact that you were an artist and yeah. you are an artist, and you almost create. You're thinking more about the customer experience which involves having uh, um, a nice bar with great cocktails, uh, having good food that complements the cocktails, or maybe having food lead with good a good wine list. So you're trying to create that customer experience versus trying to be the most 
pa- groundbreaking um, restaurant in New York City, which I, I, I don't know if that's a feasible goal for anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's for me, it's always been in the experience with mm-hmm. everything we do. Like I design, I conceptualize and design all my spaces, and and we take the aesthetics of the space to the food to the wine list or the cocktail. We take it all into consideration. It's not just about okay, we have to have amazing food. It's really yeah, we do we do everything. And, you know, that's the beauty of eating out. You know, it's yeah. much more than you know, the food, of course, is is important and crucial. And the food isn't good. People aren't going to show up. Mm-hmm. But people eat out for that communal experience, that um, the lighting, the music, the company, the the drinks, of course. Yeah. I so, mean, I think something we think, uh, or I guess something that I did think about, um, like actually think about when doing this was that I'm not catering to vegans. Like these, mm-hmm. the people who are strict vegans they're going to come yeah. probably no matter what, but still they're going to be a small percentage of what I'm doing. So the space still has to be like, for lack of a better word, like it still has to be cool and fun and it has to be sort of trans, you know, you have to feel like you're sort of, tr- what's the word I'm looking transported, transported yeah. to like, that's, that's something that's important in all my places. Like I, I don't want you to feel like you're in New York city when you walk in, it's like yeah. almost going into a different world, but it's, it's, you know, I think up until recently, walking into a vegan restaurant, you're like, okay. You look around, you go, this is a vegan right. restaurant. You can just sort of tell. There's something about the air or the pretense of the place. So trying not to, try to trying mm-hmm. to help modify what it means to be a vegan restaurant or a vegan cocktail bar. Like change that definition. Right. And, you know, Mother of Pearl, I think, was the first one... Um... I think Avant Garden was the first restaurant of yours I, I went to, but Mother of Pearl definitely had that feeling of you are one moment outside in the crowded, noisy streets of the East Village, and then you're transported to this um, sort of uh, Polynesian tropical place. Um, and at least it had that vibe to it, which I think is what you were going for, yeah. which is nice. In terms of this bold plan that you had um, more than a year ago now of of slowly transforming your restaurants how has that gone so far what's the um, where you where do you stand today versus maybe a year and a half ago when you had just started off um i mean we're we're in a really good place like mother of pearl is totally plant-based now cienfuegos it's cuban rum bar is now totally plant-based uh, I had a seafood restaurant called Bergen Hill, which I converted into a cocktail bar called Koo now, which is a nonprofit cocktail bar. Um, and it's totally, we don't even serve food there. We have some bar snacks, but it's all vegan. Um, Bourgeois Pig, which was uh, basically a wine and cheese bar is a fondue restaurant in which we were selling almost a thousand pounds of cheese a month. Um, I closed that. And I turned it into a restaurant called Ladybird, vegan vegetable bar, I guess is what we're calling it. Um, I still have a couple places that have meat on them, um, but we're we're working. So I, I, of the fifteen that I had last year, there's only three places left that are serving. Two of them are, are seafood restaurants, and one of them is Death and Co. Cocktail Bar, which we're adding more and more vegetarian and vegan options to. And in terms of your customer base, you mentioned that food sales went up in some of the restaurants. Um, you also mentioned that your goal was to cater to your existing client base and just switch around the menu and the cocktails um, or the liquor. How has that experience been? Have you faced any challenges? You may have attracted new customers, but did you lose many? And how's that experience been? I don't think we've lost any. I mean, like I said, businesses. Food sales have doubled, so I think we've gained a lot of clientele. Um, business in general has just gotten better, so which I didn't expect. I actually expected it to go down, and I was just doing it more of a from a moral standpoint. So I just couldn't live with myself anymore at that point, like serving this this type of food. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say no one has said a bad word about it. I mean, I've gotten a couple negative emails, but I've gotten about hundreds of thousands of positive ones so it's like i don't think we've lost any customers right and you aren't you know you wasn't like you you turned your menu over to plant-based and then the next day you were uh handing out um 
vegan go vegan pamphlets to your customers you were you were just letting the food speak for itself and i think the uh, customers are smart enough to figure out why you were doing this yeah i mean there was some press about it you know mm -hmm. we did let we did let the blogs and everybody know this mm -hmm. is what we're doing um you know and i guess it's like i said before about like the you know there's with environmental global warming and environmental change and it's just you think people, people just are, people are more it. conscious and people want to be involved. Some people just don't know what to do, right? Yeah. I, I think everybody, not everybody, but I think a good majority of the population is aware of what's going on environmentally. They're aware of what's going on with the health issues of eating meat and dairy, and they're aware of all the animal cruelty that's going on. They just don't know what to do. It's hard to give up meat just like that. Um, so even eating meat or eating vegetarian or vegan once or twice or three times a week. I think people want to, as long as it's going to be good and they're not just eating salad and it's boring and mm -hmm. salt flavorless. Go coming to mother of pearl, as opposed to going to another bar, they know they're they're It's, it's in a small way impactful. Yeah. And I, so I think, I think that this, like I said, conscious, conscious consumerism is becoming, it's a huge trend in the industry. And I think everybody's, everybody can and eventually will, whether by choice or in force, be have to uh, uh, start to succumb or abide by the new changing world. Yeah, another point I've noticed about you, you, you don't shy away from using the word vegan. Maybe you don't necessarily use it outside your restaurants. Um, but you at the same time have pointed out that you were consciously trying to create an environment um, as well as a menu that wasn't only catered to vegans. What are your thoughts on on maintaining that balance where, or, or is it really changing where people maybe five to 10 years ago would have seen um, that a menu of a restaurant was all vegetables, all plant-based um, and would have avoided the place if they ate meat because they would assume it's not catered. It wasn't meant for them versus today, as you pointed out, people are, are much more aware. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think there's um, you have to be careful about the the how you present your menus or you label your restaurants or are you kind of you don't mind just saying it as it is and uh, you think the space is just speaks for itself and it isn't trying to yeah I mean preach. I'm not gonna I've had several people I've worked with tell me not to use the word vegan and you know to use plant based or not not even say anything and mm -hmm. and I just I think that's sort of ridiculous I. I I think the definition vegan used to be a bad word and I just don't think it is anymore. I think it's changing very rapidly and all of a sudden it's not to say that it's a good word yet. You know, it's not like people don't go vegan. Yay. This is so positive. I love it. I mean, but a lot more people do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and so perhaps yeah, I, I, I don't shy away from the word at all. I don't really good. care. Like I think, like I said, I think the definition is changing and that's what I'm sort of on a mission to set out. Sort of in hindsight, I guess my mission is more of like help redefine what it means to be vegan, help redefine what it means to eat out eat. vegan, yeah. you know, and not have it be this sort of tippy dippy, crunchy granola, like boring, bland, tasteless, like it used to be, yeah. you know, and it was up until recently and still is in probably 95% of the vegan restaurants you'll find. Right, right. No, I mean, I think that that definitely shows in, in your spaces and the menus. Um, so let's talk about the menu a little bit. You mentioned earlier one of your reasons behind going plant-centric or vegetable-centric and having vegetables showcased in the center of the plate rather than your menu being dominated by, um, say, soy protein and, and other meat replicas or trying to mimic meat dishes in, in vegan form. How do you approach that now that you've been doing it for over a year? You are, you are in the plant-based vegan restaurant business right now. When you open a new restaurant, what are you keeping? What's driving that now? Are you still focused largely on vegetables because that's just the food you're into and you think people need to eat? Or are you starting to incorporate um, some of these newer products that are out there that um, are sort of like meat? So far, we're still just totally vegetables. That's all we're doing. I'm sure there'll come a time when, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> when we'll get into um, using some soy. Mo I actually am in the process of opening up the sandwich shop now. Uh, it's going to be called Avant Garden Sandwich Co. or AG Sandwich Co. And it's uh, there's going to be sort of six iconic sandwiches on the menu. We've been working on 
we spent the past year just developing our own hot dog, which mm -hmm. actually, because there's so many vegan hot dogs on the market, and they all pretty taste pretty bad as far as I'm concerned. So we've been working on one that actually tastes and feels like a hot dog, and we've developed. So we're going to be putting like a Philly cheesesteak and a and an Italian sub and a banh mi and a gyro. There's going to be six sort of iconic sandwiches on this menu, and we will start using. I mean, we have been playing with those for that right. specific. But as far as my restaurants go, like Lady Bird or Mother of Pearl or Avant Garden, um, we haven't as of yet gotten into any soy protein products. Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not against it. If we can manipulate them well enough so that we can develop a really good item to serve, mm -hmm. then then I'm I'm not opposed to it. Right. Like, I, I'm, again, like I'm, I'm in this for... The number one reason for being animal rights, number two being environmental issues, number three being health issues, right? So whatever it takes, but I also don't want to serve bad food or I don't even want to serve mediocre food. So everything that I've ever eaten that was made out of one of these soy proteins, I've never really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I've liked a couple items, but never, nothing's ever been like, oh my God, this is amazing. I have to have that again. Um, so again, if, if we can develop use these products and develop something that's really great then i'll serve it right and in terms of um your menus beyond um the types of ingredients to use to what extent are your dishes driven by what's um trendy now or are you tr you know how do you balance that out there's there's a new food trend in, in especially in a city like new york every year or every few months to what extent do you try to incorporate that versus you're just you're just trying to do something original? Um, and what's the right balance in your experience? Um, well, I've I've never really taken food trends into a, into account. I just I mean I think veganism is a food trend, and people think that maybe I'm just being trendy, um, you know. But it wasn't really, it wasn't. I've never made a choice to do something because it's a trend. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, like I just create the places that I want to go to and serve the food that I want to eat and drink, serve the drinks that I want to drink. So, and I've been fortunate enough that other people also want to eat and drink the same thing and hang out in the spaces that I want to hang out in. So I've been very fortunate that way, but, um, yeah, I don't really, I haven't really, I mean, going forward in life now, things are changing. Like I'm actually trying to mm -hmm. become more of a businessman and make smarter business decisions. Um, up until now I have, Oh, you're very. You're already a very successful businessman. Maybe you don't think of yourself. <laughs> yeah, that I don't way. think of myself as as a businessman at all. Um, I've just sort of, I just have just gone with. Yeah. Um, I guess you dumb have dumb luck and and sort of <laughs> random impulses. You know. <laughs> I guess you have a very organic approach to business, which, um, or you can call it authentic approach, where you kind of do things that you feel uh, that you have a gut feeling is is right. And uh, I think so far, you, yeah, you're right. You've been lucky and people seem to want that. So yeah. that's kind of what it's yeah, about. Yeah, a lot of gut, like instinct. I'm like, this is, yeah. In terms of the kind of chef that you work with so far, um, I know you've, in the past, I've, I've chatted with you and you've mentioned that you uh, like to challenge um, chefs who are not from the, uh, a vegan background or don't have a history developing plant-based dishes to try to develop recipes What's your reasoning behind that? Um, um, yeah, I've, I've only worked with one vegan chef, and I got very different outcome from when I worked with non-vegan chefs trying to create vegan food. And I've been much happier with the food when working with non-vegan chefs. And I think, and in thinking about it, I don't know if this is correct, um, but I think what's, what's sort of happened, if someone's been vegan for a very long time, I think your palate changes. You become more sensitive to certain items, certain spices, and less sensitive to other ones. So in being that I am trying to cater to a non-vegan clientele, um, it's made sense to work with non-vegan chefs. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, whether they're French culinary trained, which most chefs who have studied are, um, you know, they're trying to, we're trying to recreate these butters and these fats and these salts and these spices that are not normally found in vegan food. And, you know, I think we've, done a pretty good job of doing that so it's it's just proven to be a get it get a better result which i i find that really fascinating in some of your food is that uh you're not necessarily trying to create 
a plant-based replica of a typical, at least so far, maybe that'll change with the new sandwich shop. Yeah. But you've typically not tried to recreate uh, a plant-based version of something um, that you would go and eat in a regular restaurant. So you're not trying to do like a plant-based steak. Um, instead, you're trying to create vegetable-centric um, dishes that incorporate the kind of flavor using the right fats and the right the right um, fla- um, spices and flavors added to it that make it taste as good as anything that is meat based, but just not meat. But just, just not as meat. good, just not meat. But we it's don't, not we're trying, trying to, to make copy. it taste like meat. Yeah, right. You're not yeah. trying to mimic the taste of meat. You're yeah. just trying to create a really flavorful, yeah. uh, filling, satiating dish that just is happens to be made with vegetables. Yeah, which. You know, you may not focus on trends or not, but that is a, has been a food trend in, in the restaurant space in the last uh, several years. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, like this sort of the idea of vegetables are like the new modern canvas and oil paint for chefs. Like yeah. every chef in the world is, is trying to figure out how to make vegetables taste good. Because it is challenging. And traditionally in America, um, um, Americans are not used to having... Uh, vegetables sit in the center of their plate and they are they think of it as a something on the side um mostly to be avoided and uh, to now kind of redefine that and um do that in a way that is more modern is is pretty exciting i think to what extent are you are you sort of influenced by global flavors is that a is that a big aspect to your just personal interest in food or you kind of like i just i i like to eat i mean I'm not really influenced by. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what my influences are. You know, living in New York City for so long, you can get anything, any type of food, anywhere, at yeah. any time, twenty four hours a day. Um, so I, I, I just like to serve good food and I like to eat good food. It's not that I'm, you know, being Indian. It's not that I'm looking to get Indian flavors or Asian flavors or, or European flavors. Um, I just really like good flavorful food yeah and i think you know t- timing wise you were probably just so happened that you decided to make this shift at a time when uh, as we discussed earlier consumers are more open to the idea of eating vegetable centric dishes uh consumers in uh, this country are now just more open to more flavors and are looking for more interesting things Plus, but the challenge is for you is you're doing it in the city where you can get everything. So, you know, being original at the end of the day, and I say this always, I mean, if you're trying to do what everyone else is doing, there's no way you're going to stand out. So I think by just being doing what you think is right and being yourself has maybe allowed you to create something unique that you can't get anywhere else because no one no one is you at the end of the day. So what is um, what do you think is next? Um, I know you mentioned um the sandwich um, uh, concept that you're working on. What do you think you're planning for with your vision for the future of uh, your restaurants and your businesses? Can you paint a bit of a picture on where do you see this maybe 12 to 24 months down the line? Um, You know, to the extent you can get in, you don't have to get into specifics, but where would you like to take this next now that you've learned what the space is about now that you seem to, you know, maybe you didn't set out to make an impact, but you are making an impact and you have the resources to make an impact. So what are you going to do next? Um, now that I have a little bit of a business mind, <laughs> um, I, so, well, we've got the sandwich shop opening soon. And then after that, uh, in New York, we've got, I've got a, a diner opening up a 24 hour, um, plant-based vegan diner, um, called Dollface, which will be opening. And then the plan is um, I'm expanding one of my cocktail bar brands into several other cities, several other markets. And since I'll be spending so much time in those cities, we plan on opening up at least two to four vegan places in each one of those cities to start. That'll all happen in the next 24 months. Um, So we'll probably have hopefully about Things go as planned, and things always take a little bit longer, but probably about 12 new places opening in the next 24 months. And then and then we'll sort of see. I think like Avant Garden Sandwich Co., it has the potential to be like a Subway sandwich, you know, and it has the potential to be, you know, and these are things everybody's trying to Everybody in this space is, wants to be the first big fast casual breakup, yeah. you know, and some people are already doing it, like uh, uh, 
God, what's that place in California? Veggie Grill. Veggie Grill. They're amazing. I remember mm. going there, you know, years ago when I wasn't vegan and just being like, this is awesome. I love this. And now they're doing really well. They're expanding eastward. Um, uh, that Landau, the chef of veg and owner, he mm-hmm. just opened up a little sandwich shop called WizKid in, in Philadelphia. He wants to expand that. So everybody's trying to do it. Everybody has plans to. Um, there's definitely enough room for several different sort of yeah. fast casual things. So if it goes well, then that, that'll be something we do. We'll expand very rapidly into several other markets. Um, you know, same with Avant Garden. Like it's sort of my fine dining. So I've got like four vegan um, business models that I really like and I think could fit into every city in the country. And I know that sounds like a huge plan, but um, again, like if you would ask me 10 years ago, if when I had one tiny 20 seat bar, if I would uh, end up having 15 restaurants um, in New York City, mm-hmm. I would have said no. <laughs> so who knows what's what's in store for the future. But the four plant, you know, that we've got Avant Garden being our fine dining, right. Lady Bird, which is more like the diffusion line. It's cheaper, more approachable, open later, more of a sort of drinking nightlife crowd, but with really great vegetable tapas. Um, Avant Garden being Avant Garden Sandwich Co. being the very low end opposite of Avant Garden being the high end. It's like the super cheap, fast, casual. And then the diner being more of a family friendly kind of space with a whole pastry program and ice cream program and milkshakes and, you know, and egg creams and things like that. Um, so yeah, this is the plan is to try to expand those four concepts along with the death and co cocktail bar brand into, into several other markets. And in terms of, um, I love those four concepts, but in terms of how would you, um, how are you planning to, um, go to market with that um are you looking at one brand for some of those multiple brands within them are you, are you so for example let's take the um, the diner concept is that going to be one brand that's going to be turned into a fast uh sort of a diner chain that you hope to expand or are you just going to open different diners under different brand names no 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 we'll take those four brands and expand those four brands oh so each concept is going to be a yeah. brand and, and that's that well, that's where my business that's where my business sort of sense comes in. Like now it's like, I've done 15 one-off spaces. Um, I've done 15 one-off spaces, which are all like vanity projects, you know? So now the idea to, if I want to make money in this world, is to take profitable business ventures and mimic them in other cities. Right. And in terms of, um, you know, let's, and putting your impact hat on, um, I guess you're trying to hit every aspect of the market, right? So some of your restaurants in New York City right now are are fine dining, pretty high end. Uh, not everyone necessarily can go and and eat there too often, um, depending on 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 what they you know where they like to spend their money. But you're you're looking at kind of reaching across the board, and are you in terms of? Without, you know, you don't have to give me specific cities, but are you looking to expand across the country? Or are you sticking to the coast? Um, um, well, in the beginning, we are going to stick to Miami, L.A., Chicago, and Denver. Um, we've already signed leases in, in those cities. Um, like you mentioned, like Avant Garden being a higher end thing. Yes, I couldn't open a thousand locations of Avant Garden in this country and have them all do well. Um but we could have 50. We could mm-hmm. have one in each state and one in every big city. The diner concept being more approachable and cheaper, we could have more locations of that. The sandwich shop, we could have a thousand locations and probably they could sustain, right? In, in several first, second, third, and even fourth tier cities. Um, and like Lady Bird being the diffusion line, like that again could have more locations. Right. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what this store had. That's this is a plan we've sort of mm-hmm. my partners and I have sort of laid out um, just verbally for now. Um, but we're all very, you know, we all very clearly want to get this done. You know, we're also thinking about several wholesale products, vegan products that we'll bring to market as retail items. Oh, so you're going to be a CPG company next to it? You hope. What is CPG? I mean, consumer packaged goods. Yes. Uh, CPG, <laughs> if that's it. Yeah, that's what you call it. Um, those are, yes, because some of the some of the products we're working on right. for like Avant Garden Sandwich Co., like I said, we're, we've been, we spent a year sort of developing this Yo, hot dog yeah. that I think is is better than anything on the market right now and could could become something that 
Whole Foods or other mm-hmm. grocery stores want to sell or other restaurants want to put on their menu. So, yes, we have plans to get into that, into the CPG world <laughs> um, uh, as well. Right. Eventually, once I'll have to figure out how to do it. Right. But like I figured out how to get in the restaurant business, I'll figure out how to do it when the time comes. And in terms of your partners on board with the idea of this being all plant based, and uh, that's the the vision. You're not you're not planning to um, you're not planning to stray from that vision. In no, the short no, term. no, never. Right. No, never. Yeah, okay. they're on, they're on board. So you're committed to doing that. <clears throat> I know you mentioned that your key driver is um, animals. Was one of the main reasons you even decided to do this. Secondly, is sustainability and, and, and then, of course, health. By virtue of having restaurants that serve plant-based foods, you are undoubtedly helping animals. You're also helping the environment by default. But is there, from a sustainability standpoint, are you you know running a restaurant, running any kind of business, doing anything on this planet involves extracting resources, uh, whether you're creating any product, or you are um, you're, you're serving food, whatever it is. I know that's been an area of interest for you. Is that something you're actively looking to incorporate as you expand beyond these restaurants into these four different concepts and, and brands? Is that something you think about already? To what extent you can uh, source your ingredients locally, reduce your plastic use and water and um, other things? Yes. No, it's definitely something that we're considering I, I last year actually hired a sustainability expert to come in and sort of audit my company. And she sent us reports and we've, we've, we've made some drastic changes just on that. I want, I want to become more sustainable. So we've like plastic straws. We no longer use plastic straws in any of our places. And we, you know, we go through between all of my places, we're talking about millions and millions of straws. So now we switch to paper straws and wow. um, which are obviously they're biodegradable. They're much better for the environment. we our recycling programs are, a lot more intensive than they used to be. And now my managers are forced to having to recycle everything. Eventually we'll get into composting. Um, we're, we're talking about water conservation issues, like, and how can we go about this in the restaurant setting and, and how we can sort of bring energy that's either solar or otherwise, otherwise um, without using fuel oil to do it. So these are all things we're, I'm very conscious of and moving forward will every time we build a new space it's easier to go backwards now in spaces they already have and say okay we want to switch to solar energy for this restaurant yeah. it cost a million dollars to do but moving forward we can specifically search out locations that already have sustainability efforts because a lot of landlords now when they build buildings are building in sustainable energy uses and things into their building. So these are all things we're thinking about and considering as we sign new leases. That's it. You know, that's important because going back, you're right. And fixing it once you've already built a model that's working um, to go back and change that maybe not only is cost prohibitive, but just sort of disruptive to your existing um, business. But, you know, if you're getting into a new fast casual concept, for example, to keep in mind, well, to what extent you want to be using plastic bags versus yeah. paper and um, to what extent you can make um, some things compostable. Um, these are, you know, I think to think of that early on is always the be- the best way to approach it because um, you can, you can lead with that in the beginning versus having to go back and fix something that is probably too hard to fix. Yeah. So in terms of uh, marketing and branding, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. You've notoriously been very, uh, from a personal standpoint, I know you don't have a Twitter account or an Instagram account. Has that changed? I have a Facebook account that <laughs> okay. I've only been on. I don't even know the password. I have to ask my office. <laughs> my office checks it for me. I don't. Uh-huh. Um, for the brand? I've been on you? it. No, for me personally. Oh, okay. They check my personal Facebook account. And they let me know if somebody wrote me a message that I need to respond to. Uh, they'll let me know, and then I'll go in and respond. But I don't get a lot of messages on Facebook. Um, I, I don't have Twitter. I don't have... Yeah, I just, I, I'm of that age where I wasn't, you know, I can't even type I, without looking at the keyboard. It's kind of sad. And, and uh, I, I'm, so I'm right on the cusp, you know, when I didn't, I didn't have a computer growing up because they didn't really exist. Um, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, I would type on a typewriter to write my reports. Like, so I, I'm just of that age. And I should have learned to type. I should have done all these things at some point in my life, but I never did. And I've never really been one for technology. I'm not technologically 
technologically savvy, but I've got a lot of kids in my office that are amazing and they're mm -hmm. half my age and they are so good at what they do that they're, I'm able to sustain, yeah. you know, it would, if it would be one thing, if I wasn't able to afford an office staff, it would, pr I'd probably be bankrupt and out of business at this point. But fortunately I've got, you know, I, I'm able to sustain this office and hire these amazing kids to, uh, do all that stuff because mm -hmm. you're going to be developing these bit brands that you're hoping to expand and grow across the country so yeah. you your previous approach which i think has worked in your favor i mean i read the new york times called you the stealth prince of the east village um which was is, i think kind of accurate um, yeah now i've got that name sort of brand <laughs> everybody calls me the stealth prince and i kind of hate it now but uh oh you can change it just yeah. go on instagram and post <laughs> selfies every day yeah yeah so um you know, what are your thoughts on what's happening in the industry overall? We, we discussed a little bit about these um, innovative new plant-based meats um, that, you know, you've been trying and maybe so far haven't incorporated into your restaurants. But just generally as a consumer yourself of, uh, of plant-based foods, wh how do you, what do you think what's, what's happening now? How do you view it and um, everything from the the plant-based meats to what's happening with the uh, vegan cheeses now, which is a rising category, you know, plant-based milks have, have, have now starting to dominate the dairy aisle in general. So um, what do you think about what's happening on the product side of things outside the restaurant space? Um, and, you know, I know you kind of mentioned that you may eventually get into that space yourself, but um, any general thoughts, uh, reactions to some of the growth recently um i i mean i just think it's amazing i i don't I, I don't know what else to say on that like i like i said i'm in this for the animal rights issue number one environmental number two and and then health but um start again mm -hmm. so um yeah as far as all these products and these plant-based i think it's amazing I, I really think it's amazing i don't really know what else to say because i'm totally in this for the animals and animals rights and anything that's gonna cause less suffering and torture to the billions of animals that are killed anything that would stop one animal um i support wholeheartedly you know the environmental issues are it's only something i'm becoming aware of in the last few years and um you know and it's ironically i became aware of that like you said earlier because i was doing so much damage um so i i think you know again like anything to to sort of help the environment mm -hmm. become more sustainable because we're headed in a really awful direction and it doesn't seem to be slowing down or turning around, but more people are becoming conscious. So yeah. if that's what's caused, if that, you know, all these things on the market are, you know, uh, it's a yeah. sign that everyone wants it. And, and yeah. there are people out there ready to put yeah. in the time and effort to create products. Yeah. For when I, space. when I hear about factory farms going out of business and, dairy farms going out of business, like it's like, yeah. it literally brings tears to my eyes it's <laughs> or so turning crazy. into uh Farms where they produce uh, nut milks and, yeah. and other things, which happen. Yeah, right and here, it happens you know. every day. Like I read about yeah. a dairy farm going out of business, mm. and I'm like, it literally just is like the best feeling ever. Yeah, I you know I think, um, and then you have cellular agriculture, clean meat, and all of that coming up yeah, in a few so years. Yeah, so cool. I actually was approached about this just recently, about like Memphis Meats and mm -hmm. getting. In, there's a Brooklyn startup that's getting involved in this that we might get involved with. Um, yeah, growing meat in, you know, I, I don't know if I'll necessarily eat it. Yeah. Um, I do like the taste of meat and I'm not against eating meat. Um, I'm against slaughtering animals, so it doesn't really go hand in hand. But this cultured clean meat thing, if they can grow in labs without killing any animals, like it's going to be cleaner. It's going to yeah. be better for you. It's going to be healthier. So uh, maybe, maybe I'll eat it. Yeah. And, you know, in the industries, seeing that uh, Tyson and others are, uh, recognizing yeah. that that's the direction we're heading in and are looking to invest um, in companies and are doing that already. So it's, it's all a great sign that we are, we're heading in a, in a direction perhaps that, uh, that'll, that'll be a better future from yeah. what seems to have been happening in the last few years. Um, what um, advice would you give to someone who is, um, I know you, you you keep insisting that you're a reluctant businessman or an entrepreneur, but you are one. And what advice would you give to someone who is passionate about food, who has um, perhaps been trained as a chef or is thinking of opening a restaurant, whether in New York City or otherwise, 
based on your you know several years of experience running restaurants and bars and and now looking to expand more specifically in the plant-based space but in general what advice would you give entrepreneurs who are starting off um and kind of don't know what they're doing that want to open a restaurant yeah <laughs> i would say don't do don't it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> seriously it's like it, it, i mean i hate to say it but chances are you're gonna fail mm-hmm. but especially in new york city but anywhere in the world like it's it's uh you know, it's kind of a joke in like the investment world that you just, everybody loses. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's very rare. Um, I, I've been really lucky, like I said, but, uh, you know, unless you're, unless it's something that you're just so passionate about, you know, like an artist when they paint, you know, they just, it's something they have to do. If you're that passionate about it, that you just have to cook, then do it, yeah. you know, don't do it for the money. Don't do it for the glamour. Do it because you, it's something you have to do. If you're in it because it's a business or you're in it for any other reason than the pure passion to cook, um, you're going to fail most likely. Yeah. And, you know, you're, um, you stuck it out because it's just one thing led to another and you, um, you know, it worked for you. But it's... It- yeah. I mean, I for me, it was almost like a painting. Like, I... I I have I have a lot of trouble sleeping at night, and so I get in bed at whatever time. But I never fall asleep before four a.m. And even when I was painting, um, you know, I would I just lie in bed, and and it used to be a really frustrating thing for me because I remember being eight, nine, ten years old and not being able to sleep. You know, I had to share a bedroom with my brother and telling him to shut up at like eight o'clock. So I would have to get in bed at eight p.m. to fall asleep by midnight, um, and I would just lie there, and and then I would just sort of. And I'd see a painting in my head. I would just see an image and I'd have to get up and paint it the next day. Um, and that's what sort of restaurants have become for me. It's more, it's, it's become more of like an artistic expression, you know, I'll be lying in bed and all of a sudden, you know, I just, I literally see a restaurant. I see what it looks like. I see the design. I see what the food should be like. And I see the image and, and it comes to me in like a split second. And then I just have to go create that space. It's not about creating a business it's not even about creating a restaurant. It's just about creating this sort of idea that just popped into my head for a split second. Um, so it's really interesting, I guess, my approach to this. But yeah, like yeah, I said, you can't say that'll work for everyone, but it obviously yeah, no, for you. no, it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did that feel like when you finally see that concept turn into? And now you've done it a oh, few it's times. Pretty into, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I literally have like a thousand concepts in my head that I've conceptualized, designed, and done everything for it in my mind only 15 of them have ever come to fruition but um it's pretty cool it's a really neat feeling to say i'm gonna do ladybird and this is what it looks like and then six months later or four months later whatever it is it's there it is and people are coming in the door and they're like this is amazing i love it it's it's a really great feeling not much different than when i would paint a painting and people would look at it and go oh my god or write a short story and people would read it and go oh my god i love this so um yeah, it's it's so I guess from that perspective, like it's it's a passion, but not a passion for f- serving great food. Yeah. It's not a passion for being a businessman. It's a passion for just creating in general. Yeah. So I guess in, ter- in uh, I, I guess what you're saying is that your, your restaurants and your bars and your success in the food industry has merely been an expression of your artistic capabilities and your creativity it's just manifested in this way you could have very easily been Anything. a musician an art of uh, a painter or something yeah, i mean else. honestly I, I think i honestly i could have been an engineer or scientist and i think it would have it would have i would have i would have come looked at it from a creative perspective yeah you know and as a kid i was really great at math and i loved math and that's i excelled like beyond people 10 years my senior uh, eventually i couldn't even add but um but i would have i approached it from a similarly creative perspective than one plus one equals two right so you know if the you have this vision now and i think you know you're starting to have look back at the last several years of your experience um, starting and running successful bars and restaurants now with these new ideas you have around expanding in the plant-based food space with these new concepts if you're successful in the work that you're doing and many other people are doing now in this space uh, turns out to be successful and goes the way we hope it all will go, 
what kind of world do you hope to see, say, 30 years from now in the year 2050? What's your vision for uh, for the future if this continues to grow at the pace it's growing? Um, well, I've never been one to look to the future. But in my dream world, you know, like uh, there would be no more killing animals for me. There'd be no more factory farming. There'd be no more meat agriculture. Everybody in the world would be totally vegan. Um, and we'd all, it'd be, we'd live in peace and harmony and it would be a bunch of bullshit, you know. But, you know, I, it's hard for me to even think about that. I don't think I'll be alive in the year 2050. <laughs> You're not that old. Uh, no, I'm not. But I, I've lived a, up until, up until recently, I've lived a pretty rough sort of wildlife so i've done a lot of damage to my system hopefully it's fixing itself now yeah. um <laughs> i guess that remains to be seen but yeah I, I i've not been one to ever really think about the future so it's i can only fantasize yeah but you know i think you're building it and um by succeeding in what you're doing with your restaurants and these new ideas that you have uh i think we all have a, a better chance to get closer to that future even if it's not that perfect utopia mm. Anything would be better than the direction we are heading in right now. Yes. So, um, well, thank you, Ravi. This has been uh, a lot of fun and very insightful. And thank you, Honeybee, your dog, who's been uh, staring at my face for about <laughs> half of this podcast and have been petting throughout. Um, and it's been uh, thank you for welcoming, uh, welcoming us into uh, Lady Bird and uh, recording right here, which has been also a unique experience. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com